Hello and welcome to the Our Wisdom podcast. I'm Geeta Sundaram from Goa, India, and I'm here to talk to you about all things business, politics, and culture. Thank you for joining me. In today's edition of the Our Wisdom podcast, we will be discussing the problem with returning to pre-COVID levels. I don't know about you, but I notice a certain preoccupation with pre-COVID levels across a wide cross-section of life, whether it is our work, shopping, recreation and travel, or whether it is specific sectors and industries of the state of economies at a macro level, it's almost always about returning to pre-COVID levels. Ruchir Sharma of Morgan Stanley recently said to NDTV, as well as to the Economic Times when discussing his new book, 10 Rules for Successful Nations, that India will not grow at pre-COVID rates of 8 to 9% for at least the next few years. The FMCG industry in India has returned to pre-COVID levels, while the auto industry is still at around 80% of it. Stock markets strongly rebounded to pre-COVID levels thanks to all the liquidity pumped in by central banks until there was a sharp correction recently. On the other hand, there is also a lot of talk about the new normal, which is another way of saying that life will not return to pre-COVID levels. To my mind, both attitudes are defeatist and distract from the main lessons that COVID is trying to teach us. They treat the pandemic as something beyond our control and therefore a phenomenon we can do nothing about. In a previous Owl Wisdom podcast titled COVID-19, The Big Reset, I had talked about the pandemic instead being an opportunity for countries to make some long overdue changes in our lives and the way we do business. In it, I had talked about countries having to re-evaluate and reform their healthcare systems and step up action on climate change. And while I had briefly touched upon the effects of technology, AI and automation in the future of work and in medicine, I had not dwelt enough on it. Today, I would like to argue that the world cannot afford to go back to pre-COVID levels or a pre-COVID way of life and that it is up to us and to governments to ensure that we don't. Let us start with healthcare. The pandemic has made us realize just how woefully inadequate our healthcare systems are. In India, it has taken us over six months to reach a million tests a day and that too by resorting to rapid tests, not the recommended PCR test. Our hospitals cannot treat all COVID patients even with large field hospitals set up in the big cities because of inadequate medical personnel. India, with 398 medical colleges, produces an average of only 30 to 35,000 doctors every year, which means we don't have enough numbers of qualified and trained staff to handle a pandemic situation. Even in normal times, our smaller towns and villages suffer from lack of access to quality healthcare. And the discussion almost always boils down to public versus private healthcare, much as it does in education. In India, public spending on healthcare in 2017-18 was a paltry 1.28% of GDP, while that in OECD countries is around 9.3% of GDP. It's not a problem in developing countries alone. America, the world's most advanced economy, has been brought to its knees by COVID-19. With healthcare spend at 18% of GDP, the highest in the world, the country has better quality healthcare, 
but it is unevenly distributed and exorbitantly expensive. Even with employer-paid healthcare, only 20% of employed Americans are entitled to paid sick leave. Besides, the country ran out of ventilators and PPE until it had to import them from guess where? China. The number of fresh cases and deaths are staggering and it's driving home the bitter truth about private American healthcare. Too expensive, dominated by too few, too big pharma companies and too out of reach for most ordinary Americans. Should we be going back to pre-COVID healthcare systems then? We need to be careful what we wish for and instead focus on ways to build and improve what has been lacking for decades. Next is the issue of the environment and climate change, which we will discuss after this break. You're listening to the Owl Wisdom podcast on our obsession with pre-COVID life. Next, we'll be looking at why climate change needs to change as well. As I discussed in the Big Reset podcast, climate change is another area where we need to act on a much more urgent basis. For one thing, it is connected with COVID-19 through the food chain and our heavy meat diets. Since the days of SARS, scientists have widely acknowledged that the new viruses are being transmitted to humans via animals through our diets and food habits, as well as contact with wildlife by encroaching on their habitat. Besides, there is also the issue of fertile agricultural land being used to grow crops as animal feed and their demands on fresh water resources. This is all in addition to the greenhouse gases that are polluting industries, transportation and our lifestyles already contribute to. The warning signs are all around us. As I write this, wildfires are burning in California, in Siberia and in the Amazon. Sudan is submerged under floodwaters, and there are several hurricanes and typhoons attacking the US and East Asia, respectively, all at the same time. China was reported to have suffered some of the worst floods this summer. The situation is apocalyptic, to say the least. According to a CNBC article citing a Morgan Stanley report, extreme climate, climate events cost the world 650 billion US dollars in the three years from 2016 to 18 with the U.S. bearing the brunt of it. Next most vulnerable is Asia, according to the report. It is time our political leaders took sensible decisions to mitigate the effects of climate change through legislation, through policies that encourage a judicious mix of energy, and through carbon taxes. Although industry is always blamed for pollution and environment degradation, in recent years, agriculture too has been a culprit. That leaders like Jair Bolsonaro think nothing of letting the Amazon rainforest burn just so Brazil can grow more soya bean to feed the insatiable demand of beef and pork farms in China is no longer acceptable. That millions of hectares of forest land are raised to grow animal feed or to facilitate illegal logging or to grow more palm oil for the cosmetics industry is inexcusable. That groundwater levels in India, especially in Punjab and Haryana, 
are at their lowest ever due to politicians promising farmers free power is untenable. Do we really want to go back to pre-COVID levels? Or would we like to aim more for the cleaner skies, air and water that we saw during the lockdowns? One of the other big developments during the pandemic has been an even greater dependence on technology. We'll discuss the dangers of that after this tiny break. You're listening to the Owl Wisdom Podcast on our preoccupation with pre-COVID levels. Coming up, why this is also the best time to regulate tech. There is no doubt that the pandemic has accelerated the digitization of the economy. Whether it is people working from home or shoppers using e-commerce channels or even businesses accelerating their digital drive, tech is at the front and center of the COVID-19 crisis. I have written before on my blog that the increasing dependence on technology through the pandemic is deepening existing divides between the rich and poor, between the urban and rural, and between old and young. Working from home is itself helping only the privileged classes of people, as are online courses and classes. For millions, especially in developing countries such as India, who have either no access to technology or are not skilled at using it, all this means very little. Despite the unemployment benefits and furlough schemes offered in some countries, jobs are still being lost. There are over 13 million filing for unemployment benefits in the US alone, even as the unemployment rate improves. Many of these jobs are likely to be replaced by more automation and AI where possible, and those jobs are perhaps never coming back. This at a time when job creation and consumption demand revival is most critical for economies to recover. In India, salaried jobs have declined by 18.9 million between 2019-20 and July 2020, according to a CMIE report in August this year. Our increasing dependence on the internet for social and business communication, as well as for business transactions, means that our data is ever more at risk of being misused without our consent or knowledge. And there are uses of technology in the fields of medicine and healthcare that are so new and cutting edge that few outside those fields have any idea of how they even operate, let alone understand the wider implications of their application. From both the future of jobs and skills perspective, as well as data privacy, the US needs to bite the tech regulation bullet. This doesn't pertain only to internet companies and data privacy. It is equally about businesses training their workers to be more tech savvy and future ready. And it is about regulating new medicine and healthcare tech applications in order to ensure that such technologies cannot be misused to cause individuals, communities or countries harm. So far, COVID-19 has only alerted governments to the perceived tech threats from China, with India and US banning several Chinese companies and apps. On a separate but related subject, Danny Roderick, Professor of International Political Economy at Harvard University's John F. Kennedy School of Government, writes in Project Syndicate 
that technology is exacerbating trade tensions because we don't yet have a system that governs global trade and services, especially those that are technology and internet related. I tend to agree with his view, except that I think the US and China need to regulate their own tech sectors first, and then the world needs to create a framework that governs international trade in it. Perhaps the latter can be formulated under an international convention. Technology is probably being used right now to meddle in the US election, just as it was used in 2016, as the Mueller investigations revealed. It was used to interfere in the Brexit referendum as well. Anyone wanting to go back to pre-COVID days when democracy was being hijacked? I would choose a new post-COVID future any day, one that is informed by thoughtful policy changes and regulation and is meant to last for the longer term. Longer than a pandemic for sure. Thank you for listening to the Owl Wisdom podcast. This is Geeta Sundaram signing off and wishing you well. See you again next month. For more Owl Wisdom, read my blog peripateticperch.com and follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter.